Welcome to Rooted and Reaching, a podcast from the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Columbia in Columbia, Maryland, where we celebrate the beauty of our diversity. In our conversations here, we share stories of our journeys and explore ideas that challenge us in order to nurture the interdependent web of which we are all a part. We are rooted in faith, reaching for community. In this episode, I'll be talking with longtime member Margaret Hegman, who helps lead UUCC's food insecurity effort. Find out more about the roots and importance of this initiative and how you can get involved and support our community in this way. So Margaret, thanks for chatting with me today. <laughs> I'm really delighted to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to see your face. No one else can see it, but I get the privilege. And we're here today to talk about the food insecurity program at UUCC and a little bit beyond and into the community. For a first question, to your knowledge, when and how did UUC's food insecurity effort first come to be? Well, um, UUCC has always collected food. And initially, it was for the Howard County Food Bank, the Maryland Food Bank. And over the years, we um, ad adopted programs such as the lunch program that was done the last Sunday of every month that's been going on for over 20 years. Um, we've also been providing hot meals for the Day Resource Center in Jessup for a number of years. So um, we've had several programs. But when Karen was here with us, she really had a passion for the children. And uh, she was starting a program, No Child Goes Hungry. And that was something that inspired uh, David. And um, he wanted to get more involved. And he really joined forces with her. And she initiated the backpack program with Cradle Rock Elementary. We have since adopted uh, two other schools that we work with, providing uh, food support for them as well. And uh, we have continued the Cradle Rock backpack program for a number of years, about four to five years. The committee itself got started about four years ago. Robin Slaw felt that there was a need to have um, community congregant involvement. And um, she also wanted to involve the children in the food insecurity program. And so she had them help build and create the little food pantry that we all recognize outside our building. So that really got started about four years ago. And uh, we uh, tried to take on some other initiatives. Um, we did help um, another program with seniors at a senior housing complex. But um, when COVID started last year, we had to make some changes mm -hmm. to how, how we did things. Prior to COVID, we had volunteers who would unpack the wagons and unpack the Amazon boxes. And, and then COVID came and the building was locked and we had to come up with a new plan. So we had volunteers who were willing to come on a regular basis to fill the little pantry, but many of them did not want to do the actual grocery shopping. And of course, we didn't have the donations coming in from our congregants. So what David and I started doing was we would go grocery shopping and we had stock items that we would buy. A lot of it was initially was based for um, homeless people in the area. But as time went on, it started to become a little bit more family based. And then again, we had a schedule 
and people would come on their day and restock the pantry. As time went on, we realized that we needed to provide larger and more items. So we added a second box in the spring. I think that was around April or May. And that way we were able to fit larger boxes of cereal, toilet paper, paper towels, and things like that. So, um, and we have tried to stock the pantry twice a day if possible. And it, it, goes, it really goes. There, there is a big need and we've been finding it to increase. And this summer, we added the little produce stand um, because I remember growing up, my mother had a garden and she always had extra zucchini and extra tomatoes and cucumbers. Down too. <laughs> and she wanted some place to, you know, she was always looking for people to take the food. And I said, this is perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll put out the little produce box. Actually, it's big. It's four feet long. If anybody's driven by, it's not that small. And we invited gardeners to provide their uh, produce. And a lot of the food that we were providing had a lot of preservatives in it, naturally, because it's food that has to be able to sit on the shelf. And and we have concerns about heat in the summer and cold in the winter. And so it has to be food that is shelf stable. And so we wanted to find a way to provide fresh food and mainly produce to the neighbors that were coming. How did you, how did you start getting involved in this effort, right? So Karin was involved, Robin was involved, many others have been involved. What made you feel called to be engaged in this work too? Well, David and I have been a member of UUCC for over 35 years. We've always been involved in one project or another, and we both felt that this was really important. We wanted to really support the children in the community because hungry children cannot learn in school. The children need a good education and they need the support of the community. And we were retiring and we said, this is something that we can do. We have the time, we have the energy, we have the motivation to do whatever we can to support this endeavor. And Mm -hmm. so that's what got us started. And of course, once COVID came last summer, that's when we really took the the reins Mm -hmm. to organize the pantry the way it is today. Because like I said, some people didn't want to go to the store. And we also need to have a certain standard of what we're providing in the little pantry. It couldn't just be random hit and miss. It couldn't be all black beans uh, one day and all sauerkraut another day or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) And so, and that's why we came up with a basic shopping list. And, you know, and so every once a day or sometimes twice a day, the basics are put in the pantry. Of course, we always welcome donations from other people because our population in that area is very diverse. And um, so I always appreciate it when people provide other options. Right. So if we can step back from UUCC a bit and look at the larger issue in the county. Okay. Can you tell us anything you know about what Howard County's food insecurity challenges look like? Well, I, I, I don't know a lot of specifics in Howard County, um, but I do know that when we initially organized as a committee four years ago, 
the national average was one in six children lived in a household with food insecurity. I, that, that now is one in four children is living in a household. I do know that um, unemployment, the unemployment levels, December of 2019, Howard County had an unemployment rate of 2.7%. At the end of 2020 in December, it was up to 5.7%. So these people already did not have a lot of resources. And so that's where, that's where we come in. And of course, we hear stories more and more when we're filling the pantry, people either walk up or drive up and they tell us some of their stories of, of some of the things that are going on in their lives. Right. Um, so how can others help? People at UUCC, other people beyond and in the community, how can, how can they help support this work? Of course, we always need money. Yep. Uh, it's costing about $1,500 a month for us to buy what we do buy. But people can also bring food to the pantry themselves. Um, what we have found is that when one of our volunteers stocks the, pa- stocks the pantry, it's generally at least 50% or less in about a two to three hour time period. So it, it almost always needs replenishment. We also um, have a wish list on Amazon and people can ship food to OBIC. They can, they can label it UUCC, food insecurity. Okay. Whatever people are comfortable doing, uh, you know, not everybody wants to be out and about as much as others. Right. But mon- money yeah, always, volunteers. always talks. <laughs> right. Money is always welcome. <laughs> Would more volunteers be helpful for stocking? I mean, in this um, setting, in this COVID setting, or is that tricky to organize? Um, I We could always use some additional volunteers. Uh, we have set up a partnership with some local businesses to get fresh produce and bread and snacks and some other items that um, they're no longer able to sell for one reason or another. And we're doing that two days a week now. We could always use another person to help with that. And even though we would like to have somebody fill the pantry twice a day, we don't have two people every day. So we could use additional people for that. So can you share, I know that you've met some of these people in the community. You said that you've met some of these people in the community and chatted with them. Can you share a personally memorable moment with us that you've experienced in your time participating in this work? Yes. The, I think the when I first realized the some of the problems was when I met a, a gentleman who asked me to read the directions on instant mashed potatoes. And that's when I was, it dawned on me, not everybody knows how to read English. And so what we did, actually, we went to Howard County. We had some of our volunteers initiated this. They got a list of county resources and had them translated into six different languages. And we have a little box on the side that has those. We made copies of those lists for people. So to help them know where to get um, other resources to get food. So so that that was one thing. Um we, we have people who, you know, who will come and they'll tell us about this same gentleman told me all about he had three children. He had a mother-in-law living with him. He had an uncle living with him and he was out of work 
And so he had all these people in his house and he was coming to us to help feed his family. Yeah. And so recently I had a lady who came and she just was like taking everything off our shelves. And, it, you know, you, you, you can't blame her for wanting to take as much as she possibly could. She was telling me about how her daughter was driving around in a car on bald tires and they didn't have any money to buy new tires. And so she was trying to find somebody that could give her a used tire. And then she told me how, you know, her, I don't know where her daughter lived, but she said that particular day, she was so glad to catch us while we were there and stocking the shelves because she doesn't always have transportation. And, and um, what she said to me in this sad voice, she said, you just don't know what it's like. And I thought to myself, you're right. I don't. I really don't know what it's like, what you're going through. I can, I can only imagine, but I'm sure it's worse than what I can even imagine. And, um, and, and a lot of our volunteers will, uh, we we communicate via email, and they'll report to us about filling the pantry and how somebody will show up. And they just want to take everything out of the trunk of the car, rather than waiting for it to get into the pantry, they, they just want to take everything that that the people are providing, because, you know, they, they need food, and they don't always know where to get it. One, that's one of the nice things about our place is we're available 24 seven, a lot of food pantries have limited hours, it might be a Monday, Wednesday between one and three, or, you know, or it might be or they have to fill out a form or they have to get an application from Department of Social Service. We don't we're available 24 seven, they can walk up, nobody's questioning them. So that that really is helpful. Yeah. Margaret, thank you for all you do and for talking about this work and making it more visible to the people that will listen to this. Well, I want to thank all my volunteers. Yeah, I really and and everybody who has been contributing. I do know that there are some people who have a monthly donation towards the food insecurity program. And we really couldn't do it. We couldn't do it without the volunteers. I mean, as much as David and I may be energetic, we we still can't. We're not an island. We can't do it all by ourselves. We need the help of everyone. And so I, I don't know who all the people are that have been donating financially, but I, I really do need to thank everybody who has been supporting us through this. And it has to continue. There's no end in sight. Right. I'm going to rephrase it. Thank you for anchoring this effort of many, many, many people. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're delighted to be able to do it. We, we know it's a good cause. Yep. It absolutely is. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.